What's up, Team Eagles, and welcome to Optimized, the show teaching you all things tea and how it can optimize longevity, recovery, and performance. My name is Vince Laplusa, and I am your host and guide on this tea journey. And today, we are headed across the pond to England for some English breakfast tea. Now, I'm going to be honest, English breakfast tea, not my favorite. It's not my favorite at all. But in honor, I am drinking its close cousin, Irish breakfast tea. And we'll kind of dig into a little bit of the differences between Irish breakfast uh, and English breakfast, but focusing just on English breakfast today. And today we're going to be talking about three topics in specific to English breakfast. Uh, One being the history of English breakfast tea, two, the unique health benefits of it, and three, any tips and tricks for you to take home and make the best cup of English breakfast tea out there. So without further ado, let's dive on into the history. Now, arguably the most popular black tea on the market, English breakfast is a staple in restaurants, tea rooms, and coffee shops alike. So if you're a tea drinker, you've probably encountered this tea in your tea journey. But have you ever taken the time to think where English breakfast tea came from or why it's even called English breakfast tea? Now, those might sound like silly questions, but the reason I bring this up is because the answers aren't as obvious as they as they seem. So, there's two thoughts of where, or there's two theories, I should say, of where English breakfast tea originated. And we'll dig into both. Unfortunately, spoiler alert, we don't really have too too much solid evidence to know exactly which one is right. So, it's up for debate still, but it's fun to think about these. These are the two historical references to English breakfast tea. So the first being in, it came and originated from New York City. And if you think about this, if England created English breakfast tea, do you think that they would call it English breakfast tea? Wouldn't they just call it like breakfast tea? And it makes sense that somewhere besides England actually created English breakfast tea. Because you would name it after this country then. So these two theories, they come from different countries, which makes sense in in my opinion, at least. So the first, like I said, comes from New York City. Back in 1843, a man named Richard Davies, who was a tea merchant, actually came from England. So he's an immigrant from England. In 1843, he supposedly was the first to take this blend of tea and and present it to the world, basically, or present it to America, and then actually exported it back to England, where it became super popular. Um, and if you don't know, and we'll dig into this a little bit later, English breakfast tea is actually a blend of multiple black teas. So that's why it's kind of has this unique uniqueness to it. Um, so this first theory is that in 1843, Richard Davies, he started this blend as a tea merchant. He came over from England, popularized it within New York City where he was working, sent it back to England, exported it back to England where it became super popular, thus 
And that was actually his main export, so he called it English breakfast tea because England was his highest uh, highest consumer. So that's like the first theory. The second theory is that in Scotland, it was actually first created, specifically by a man named Robert Drysdale, or Drysdale. Um, and this was in 1892, so actually like 50 years after supposedly Richard Davies created it in the United States. Robert Drisdale, he was this tea merchant actually in Scotland and started blending this Ceylon, Kimun, and Assam tea leaves to make a breakfast tea blend. Um, How it became popular in England was that Queen Victoria, she actually visited this area in Scotland where Robert Drisdale was was blending this tea. She visited and this tea blend was presented at a royal gathering. And she loved it so much. She loved this tea tasting that she actually took a large quantity back to England and it became super popular at that time. And so Robert Drisdale changed the name to English Breakfast. Now, which one is true? Again, we don't have the written knowledge or understanding to fully know which one's true. But I think it's fun to think about uh, those different, yeah, those different, you know, stories, mythologies, per se. And so the cool thing about, or the interesting thing about English breakfast tea that not many people know, or at least I'll say, I'll speak for myself when I first learned about English breakfast, was that it's actually a blend of typically like three black teas. Now you'll get different variations about English breakfast, but it's typically a blend of teas that range from possibly from Ceylon, which is in Sri Lanka, a black tea from Assam, which is in India, uh, Kenya or Kenyan black tea, which is obviously in Africa, and a Kimun black tea from China. Now, typically, those first three are the teas that make up English breakfast. The Kimun you'll find in more expensive blends because Kimun has a higher quality leaf, black tea leaf. But it's interesting that this was the thought. And the reason they do this is to have a more consistent and robust flavor. These English breakfast and Irish breakfast and Scottish breakfast teas, they are meant for the morning to breakfast. And if you think about it, if you don't know what kind of breakfast these places have, they're usually very hearty meaty and just like fulfilling like savory type type breakfasts so to accompany it they have this stronger more bold and almost smoother and and sweeter tasting black tea to accompany these heavy dishes so it kind of makes sense when you think about it in that sense but actually by have by blending these three different kinds of black teas it makes the flavor more consistent all year round. Whereas if you had like one specific tea, typically you can only harvest it at that one specific time and it tastes the best then. If you let it sit for too long, it doesn't taste as well. So that's kind of how this whole thing started was to actually make it a more consistent tea throughout the year for people to consume. Super interesting. So moving on to the health benefits of tea and the specific unique health benefits of of tea. The... Again, this is a blend of three black teas. Now, black tea all comes from the same plant. So these are all from the same plant. 
the Camellia sinensis plant. Now, they're grown in different places. So, like I mentioned, Ceylon is Sri Lanka. Assam is India. Kenya is Kenya. Or Kenyan black tea is Kenyan, is from Kenya. Kimun from China. And so, the the growing practices are going to be, or, and, and like the soil and the elevation that it's grown at and just the the temperatures and the climate they're going to have different effects on the tea leaves and thus providing a little bit more of like a polyphenol or a little bit less of like a cat a specific catechin um but overall you're going to get pretty much the exact same stuff within the tea leaf so what is it that we can find specifically in these black teas that make this tea unique well there's a few things um one black teas comparatively speaking to green teas they tend to have a little bit more complex tea polyphenols, whereas green teas tend to have more like dynamic and active catechins. Um, and catechins are a speci- specific type of polyphenol, but specifically in green tea, you have more of what's called EGCG. That's going to be a little bit more active and dynamic in the body. Black teas tend to have a little bit more complex and yeah, less dynamic type t- polyphenols. So what does that mean? Because um, people say that green tea is healthier than black tea. They're different. And studies actually just don't show or don't agree with that. They're both just as healthy. It's kind of really just depends on if you're consuming tea on a consistent basis and if you which one do you enjoy. That's If you're looking for health benefits, which one do you enjoy the most? You're going to get good health benefits. Now, there are some variations as to if you add stuff to it or if you don't. That'll change it, and we'll get into that a little bit later as well. Um, But going back to what we can expect out of this, first off, the caffeine content is roughly around 60 to sometimes 80 milligrams per serving. So you don't want to have too many cups of this tea because the threshold typically is 300 to 400 milligrams per day. Um, So you want to make sure you're weary of of that. But some cool studies that have shown up in regards to black tea specifically is, one, there was a study that actually showed that it can possibly help with improving vascular function in healthy individuals with as little as one cup of tea per day. Now, if you're someone like me, I drink tea by the pot, and I probably have like five cups of tea per day at the low end of a day. So... And it's and the the cool thing about that study is that it actually showed that the more tea you drank, the more of the health benefits you actually got out of it. Now, like uh, again, there is that threshold with the caffeine that you do want to be weary of, but super interesting and super cool. Um, the other thing is that theoflavins. So theoflavins are the the compound that actually make the black tea so like bold and dark and creamy and rich. Those not only provide this awesome flavor, but there's been studies that have shown that they may actually lead to improved, and for like athletes and people who exercise, they actually may improve recovery rate and decrease and reduce in oxidative stress response following exercises. So super cool. If you're drinking black tea on a consistent basis, you actually might be helping your recovery from exercise faster fascinating and then finally another study that uh was done with 75 adult men and it was split in half one group was drinking black tea consistently 
I think, and I forget how many cups, but they were drinking black tea consistently. The other half, they were drinking a, what they thought to be black tea, but it, it actually contained none of the tea leaves. So it wasn't a Camellia sinensis, it was just a flavor of black tea. And what they found is that the people who drank black tea, the actual Camellia sinensis, were able to de-stress quicker and had overall less stress throughout this whole study. Now, the interesting thing was when they exposed these these people and to stressful situations. So they took this group of men, they exposed all of them to the same stressful situation. Every single one of them, whether they were in the T group or not, experienced an elevated heart rate about to the same to the same response. They exp- experienced this fight or flight type cortisol boost within our bodies. But the difference came in who was able to recover quicker. So the tea drinkers, they actually were able to drop their cortisol back to baseline quicker than those who had not consumed tea at all. Fascinating. Like, that's super cool. So just to think that, like, by enjoying a cup of tea, you're actually able to accommodate life's stressors and react to them and handle them better than those who don't something that's super interesting um and i yeah and and that was and that was just a study and there are actually many 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 studies done on black tea and there's many many compounds that we can dig into but i thought that those jumped out to me and a lot of these were taken from uh, maria uspensky's book cancer hates tea so i can tag that in the show notes after we're done with this episode but highly recommend people check that out and just do a little bit of research into into these studies super cool stuff and so finally we're going to dig into just some of the tips and tricks actually back up one thing to note on the health benefits of tea is that in order to and this if you want to listen to episode 36 of optimized with dr william lee we dug into this and something that was super fascinating about that was he brought up the the use of milk in tea and that's dairy from like a cow and we're not talking milk alternatives right now when people add milk or cream to their tea which is very popular especially with english breakfast that actually mitigates or negates the health benefits especially the polyphenols basically at all like you basically won't get any of the of the health benefits and the reason being is that milk or dairy from a cow actually creates this soapy like structure around the polyphenols that encapsulates them so when you drink this tea it encapsulates them it doesn't it passes through our digestive tract without being able to be fully digested in our intestinal tract and therefore we just excrete the polyphenols. Now we want the polyphenols. That's what's doing all these cool things that we like all, with all these studies. So if you're looking to get the most out of the health benefits, I highly recommend not working with dairy from a cow. Now, does that equate to milk alternatives? No. You can actually use like coconut milk, almond milk, and get away with a with that being perfectly fine. So if you're someone who likes that and you want the most out of the health benefits, I recommend steering away from 
bees uh, from dairy and going for maybe a milk alternative. I also think coconut milk is super delicious in tea if I ever do that. So I prefer that. But yeah, there at that point, we'll leave it. We'll leave the health benefits there. Um, moving on to the tips and tricks for the best cup of tea, just in flavor as well as for the health benefits. Again, I think that that milk transition, if you're looking for a flavorful cup of tea, milk is delicious. And again, this English breakfast is great with milk. Um, if you're looking to maybe get a little bit more of the health benefits, switch over to coconut milk, almond milk, oat milk, something like that. Um, for the steep time, highly, highly, highly recommend you keep an eye on steeping it no more than five, for five minutes and at around 200 degrees Fahrenheit. The reason being is that if you steep black tea in English breakfast at longer than five minutes, you're going to get, you're going to experience a more astringent tea. So you're going to get that dry feeling in your mouth. Um, sometimes it leads to people actually feeling nauseous and feeling upset because when you do steep it longer, you do get more caffeine out of the tea leaves, but that caffeine can sometimes upset people's stomach. It also boosts the catechins and the polyphenols. So you're kind of, it's a, it's a fine game, like where if, depending on if you're drinking tea for strictly like just flavorful experience or for health benefits, or if you're somewhere in between, I recommend keeping it at that five minute mark and then just re-steep the tea, the tea leaves again. You'll get the, you'll be able to get the full spectrum of the health benefits, but without those upset feelings. And, uh, and also just the, the nasty taste in the mouth of like a dry astringent tea. Um, these blends are again, super good. The English breakfast blend is super good for blending with milks and milk alternatives they were made for that so if you're if you're someone who likes to add a little bit of sugar um sugar milk go for it with this it's gonna it's gonna taste super delicious and then finally always use loose leaf tea loose leaf tea is going to give you the most broad spectrum flavor profile unlike a bag of english breakfast tea the bag of tea you might get one good steep out of it typically it's going to be super powerful, which people, some people like, but the flavor is just bland and it doesn't have this depth that you're going to experience when you get a loose leaf tea. You can kind of taste the differences in the Ceylon, Assam, Kenyan, and Kimun teas in there because I've had all of them separately. When you have them together, you get to taste the difference in the loose leaf, whereas I feel like it loses all of that within tea bags. So always opt for loose leaf. And I'm just going to say that for every single tea that you ever do, always opt for loose leaf. Loose leaf is king. I mean, it's as simple as that. It's also, it's better for the environment. It's better for your wallet, even though it's more expensive up front, you get more out of the tea. Um, It's just better. It's just better. Go loose leaf all the way, all the time. And that's it. That's our that's our overview, our brief overview of English breakfast tea. I hope that you took away a little bit something with, in regards to the history, the health benefits, as well as any tips or tricks to make the best cup of tea. So thank you for tuning in today. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Optimized and leave a five-star review. Tell me what you love and what you want to hear more on the podcast. So if you leave a five-star review and actually put a tea that you want to learn more, 
I'm compiling a list that after these 14 days of teas that I have, teas and tisans that I have loaded up, I'm going to start going through this list and and if it's a first come first serve basis. So you put like a tea that you want to hear about, I'll do an episode on it. So leave a five star review, do that. And if you want to try some extremely unique, flavorful and functional teas, check out freshsteeps.com. That's freshsteeps.com, F-R-E-S-H-S-T-E-E-P-S.com. If you're looking for a black tea, they have a fermented black tea chai, which is chef's kiss. Superb. So check it out. That's the chai cleanse if you're looking for that one in particular. But they have five dope blends. Recommend working with those, seeing how your body feels. It's cool mixing the tisans and these high quality like gunpowder green teas, puars, stuff like that. Really gives you uh, gives you a perspective to kind of elevate your tea game. So check it out, freshsteeps.com. Otherwise, that's all I have for you today. Appreciate you showing up. Appreciate you being here. Remember to take some time for yourself and enjoy a cup of tea today. And we'll see you in the next episode.